Sneaky starts. Ooh, week. Sneaky starts week three. Numero trace, which is three in Russian, I believe. Week numero Russian trace. That's how you say numero that. Numero Russian trace. Boom. Yeah. So, uh, Leo, give the viewers a little rundown. I mean, we don't want to gloat too much. But give them a rundown of our uh, week two sneaky yes. starts. Yeah, week two sneaky starts was a, it was very successful for us. Um, I don't remember everyone we listed, but we definitely had some, some very successful uh, picks we threw out. We threw out uh, Tory Smith, who had a touchdown in a nice yep. little game. Uh, Kenny Britt was a desperation name we threw out, and he had six fantasy points, I think, which is not bad for someone you might have flexed as an emergency um, Gio Bernard was one of our. Gio Bernard, he was, he was like a probably a poster boy. points. Yeah, he was actually yep. like very helpful. Uh, Sterling Shepard, eleven fantasy points, over a hundred yards for Shep. Over a hundred yards. We had even. We definitely had more than that. Who else? Who am I forgetting? Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. He was a sneaky star. That's right. Oh yeah, because that he was point, eating. He had only had ten fantasy points coming out of week one. You might have. I think he was on most people's benches, blowing up probably. Um, yeah, which would be unfortunate, but yeah. Stefan Diggs is a real deal, guys. Yeah, we said he is a real deal. He's, he's dare I say legit. the next uh, Antonio Brown? I wouldn't I'm dare. Him. I wouldn't dare. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Well, you can say that if you like. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I feel like we had. Oh, Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta Dennis was Pitta. one we threw out. He had a nice little week. Um, Pitta Pan. Pitta Pan. Yeah, there was probably a couple more we're forgetting. I, I kind of took a victory lap on Twitter whenever it happened. Um, <laughs> so if you follow us, you kind of already know the names. And if not, that's just a you sample should. of the success we had. And just know that now you should absolutely start every single player we name because it is. Yeah. I mean, we won't get a hundred percent of them, right? 100%. Probably like 99%. 99% and it'll just be a rounding error, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if we ever get somebody wrong, you know, we'll come on and we'll be the first to say it. But week two was a very successful week. And we're mm-hmm. back with uh, week three, Sneaky Starts, to help you guys Indeed. make those tough roster decisions because uh, we're getting to the nitty-gritty of the fantasy season. We have already had a lot of injuries. There are probably some rosters that are in shambles, need to make some desperation plays this week. So we have a list for you guys, Sneaky Starts. So one Leo Khaleesi. Yes. Start us off. Start so, us off strong. Yes, to sort of reestablish, this is your first time watching Sneaky Starts. Uh, these are players that, uh, they aren't obvious starts. They're someone that would perhaps be sitting on your bench, but we're saying, hey, this is someone that you should basically throw in your flex or is maybe actually like a no-brainer RB2, but like you were kind of trying to get cute about it. Um, you know, basically guys not to sleep on that we're trying to like stay ahead of or, you know, keep like hammering home as we name some of the same guys multiple weeks in a row. Um, yep. so we'll start off with, I guess we'll do quarterback first. I don't know. Why not? Um, and the first quarterback Who I'm going to name, me? I'm going to go with the least obvious first. Cause I feel like we're going to name four guys and the other three are kind of, I've seen them all over the place, but I haven't seen this guy's name much of anywhere. And that's, uh, Dak Prescott of, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he's at home. You usually want in your streaming quarterback uh, against Chicago, who sneakily have allowed the 30th most fantasy points or the third most to the quarterback. Uh, Carson Wentz lit him up. Uh, Brock Osweiler lit him up. And as we saw tonight against the Patriots, Brock is actually maybe not very good. Um, (laughs) So this Chicago and the Chicago defense got hurt actually a lot in the Carson Wentz game. Uh, they had a few guys go down yeah, to injury. The Wentz game. The, yeah. the Wentz game. As so, it will be dubbed. As, as yeah. it will be dubbed. So uh, this is actually, I think this is pretty sneaky for sure because I haven't really seen Dak's name get thrown out that much this week. Uh, but it's like such a good matchup and he's at home. And I, I don't know, I could see I could see this being like the true Dak breakout game that everyone's been waiting for. Woo, Dak to the future, baby. Dak to the future. I like it. Dak Prescott, sneaky start. So the other three... We're going to say are a little bit more obvious. So who is the first obvious quarterback streamer of the week? I think the most obvious, and he's a guy that's probably owned, so like he's on the, the edge of being sneaky, and that's uh, Mariota. 
Um, yep. But he's you know at home against the Raiders, who have been very generous to the quarterback. Uh, a sort of like asterisk to That's put an on it. Statement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> an asterisk <laughs> to put on it is it's been against Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, and Drew Brees is like. He's elite. He still is. So getting lit up by Drew Brees, I wouldn't. At least Drew Brees at home is elite. So that's, you know, getting lit up in that situation, I wouldn't really hold against him. But Matt Ryan kind of came into their house and made fools of them, as you probably know very well. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a completely ugly game. And Matt Ryan looked like the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. I would argue that Matt Ryan looked better against Oakland than Drew Brees, which is kind of... <laughs> Uh, that's a little bit worrisome because Breeze did look amazing, and yeah. then Matt Ryan. I mean, he was picking apart the Oakland D. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Mariota, probably own like you said, but if you at this point of the season, if you get a chance to start a quarterback or a wide receiver against Oakland, go ahead and do it because yeah. they have a lot of new bodies. Uh, they're kind of trying to gel together. We don't really know if it will happen at any point, so they're suspect right yeah. now. So take advantage of that. Because it might not be like this the entire season. So right now, Mariota, we like? Mariota. Um, another one would be Ryan Tannehill. Um, yeah. This one kind of scares me because Tannehill is not very good. But he's at home. He's <laughs> against Cleveland, who we have seen. is very susceptible to the quarterback. It was really scary going with Flacco last week. He was one of the guys we threw out. And you were watching the first half of that game like, oh, God, this isn't going to work. The Flacco's doing nothing. This is ruined. But then the second half of the game, he just kind of came alive and it worked out. And he actually had a nice little week. Uh, So it's really just following that trend of any quarterback against Cleveland. And Ryan Tannehill's up next, so hopefully he can can deliver. Yeah, I mean, Tannehill, the game against Seattle to start off the season, let's be honest, it was kind of a shit show game. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Tannehill looked awful in that game. I mean, he scrambled around. He made some plays with his legs. Uh, passing generally wasn't there, but playing Seattle in Seattle, I mean, you can't really fault him for that. Last week, I mean, it was a perfect game script for a quarterback, right? They fell behind by 20, 30 points. Yeah. I'm not ideal for the team, but fantasy-wise, you know, perfect. And they just threw the ball the entire second half, and it was effective. They actually almost made a comeback. They had the ball in the last possession. They had a chance... And they just missed against New England. And they're playing in New England. Yeah. Who, as we saw tonight, uh, whether it's Brock Osweiler not really being an effective quarterback, but New England's defense has looked surprisingly stout. Not surprisingly. Yeah. I think a lot of people expected them to look stout. Uh, but, yeah, the fact that Miami kind of tore them up in the second half, obviously they weren't going full pedal to the metal. Yeah. Uh, they probably playing a lot of prevent. Uh, but... It was effective, and I think Gates and Miami might look at it and say, okay, basically through two weeks we've, had, we've got nothing going on on the ground. We can't run the ball whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arian Foster's already hurt, all right, yeah. to the surprise of nobody. <laughs> uh, tweaked a groin. So now they have this committee that consists of Jay Ajahi, who Ajahi. is already Ajahi, who is already kind of on the outside. With the coaches. I'm on I mean, the he, outside. And I'm looking <laughs> in. <laughs> Go on. And then uh, Kenyon Drake is a part of that. And I guess Arian Foster, it's looking like he's doubtful this week. Yeah. So I think it's going to be some sort of combination of Jahi maybe getting the early down work, mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake getting, you know, rotated in, maybe Pede, Damian Williams. I mean, jeez. They, it's going to be a mess. Their backfield is going to be a mess. And I think yeah. what is going to happen with the Miami offense is they're just going to trend towards this heavy pass attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the weapons now with Parker being supposedly healthy. Um, so, and they were able to throw the ball with ease. I think that will continue. That's their strength as, as an offensive team. So they'll run the ball maybe a little bit just to break up the defense, but I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So Tannehill, I mean, even though you look at this game against Cleveland at home, and you might be thinking, well, it's obvious, but it is scary because what if they get ahead? I mean, Mm -hmm. Cleveland's terrible right now. They get ahead. uh, They might be pounding the ball, running out game clock. I don't think that's going to be how they operate their offense anymore. I think they realize, okay, if we're going to win games, we're going to need to throw the ball. 35 yeah. to 40 times a week. And I think that's going to be the same this week. Tannehill should be 
probably QB 10 to 15 range, I would guess. Feel safe, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's an obvious one. Uh, one last quarterback we'll throw out. Um, Joe Flacco. Um, the Flack Attack. Flack yeah. Attack. He's on the road, which is a little less than ideal. Um, but it's against the Jaguars. We just saw Philip Rivers just just go nuclear all over them. Um, so you kind of hope maybe Flacco can do the same. And it's almost like a little bit of like a long, not long term, but a play thinking ahead because the next week he's at home to Oakland. So it's kind of like, you know, gut through this Flacco week and hope he can be okay. He should be fine. The Jaguars defense does not look scary. Um, but then he gets Oakland at home next week. So it's a little bit of like, a. hopefully you had him last week for Cleveland too. And then you can just kind of keep him and just keep him this week, play him again next week and get a few weeks out of your streamer, which is, it's always nice when you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. He was a popular name before they played Cleveland because of his schedule. I mean, people knew that he was playing Cleveland followed by Jacksonville, followed by Oakland, all soft passing defenses. Mm -hmm. So he was able to take advantage in Cleveland. I mean, it wasn't as easy as we hoped it would be, but because they fell behind by 20 points, he was able to throw the ball. I mean, similar to what Tannehill did in new England, able to throw the ball a lot in the second half, which saved his fantasy day. Yeah. Uh, and he seems to have found a connection with Dennis Pitta, who mm-hmm. we mentioned already at the beginning of the show. Uh, Pitta and Flacco have always had this connection. Pitta hasn't played in a couple of years. This goes back to 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Pitta's supposedly healthy. You know, his hips, he has two replacement hips. Uh, he's out there leading the team in uh, targets, so... Dennis Pitta, Joe Flacco, that combination make for a good streaming possibility. That is a nice little streaming stack. We'll we'll get into Pitta a little bit later. Um, I think that's probably it for our quarterbacks. Are there any other quarterbacks you wanted to throw out, or should we move on? I'll mention I'll mention this because he in draft season he was he wasn't very popular. Mm. Uh, He is a QB one overall right now. He should be owned, but I was able to pick him up this week as a streamer. So that just goes to show that he might not be owned in every league. So if Matt Ryan is out on the waiver wire and you need a streamer, then he is clearly the no-brainer number one choice for this week, ahead of all the guys we've already talked about. Yeah. Because he's going against New Orleans, who have a porous pass defense, um, and he has weapons on his offense. I mean, his running backs are getting involved in the passing game. Jacob Tammy's been involved. Mm. Uh, obviously, he has one of the best receivers in the game in Julio Jones. Even if he is a little dinged up, he usually ends up playing. I think he's perpetually questionable. Uh, so Matt Ryan, uh, if for whatever reason people just don't believe, uh, he had a really bad year last year. Maybe scare some people away, but he is a QB1. He has put up big numbers against Tampa and against Oakland, so... Maybe not great pass defenses, but he's going against another weak pass defense. So yeah. fire up your Matt Ryans this week. Uh, definitely start him. I mean, if he's your second quarterback on your team, then I would start him over a lot of guys this week. Yeah, I got to think he's a near the top of, of the list. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's he's great this week. And next week is kind of a good see how he does against a decent defense because he gets Carolina. Yeah. Because after that in week five and six, he's on the road both weeks. And, and it's Denver and then Seattle. Um, and neither of those are great situations for a quarterback. So it's kind of like, see how he does no. in Carolina. And if he still looks great, then it's like, all right, maybe this is a new Matt Ryan. But if he struggles a little bit in Carolina, then it's like, no, nope, bench him through those those two weeks and with Denver and Seattle because then he'll just get he's probably get eaten alive those weeks. Yeah, I mean, you could hope uh, that he lights up New Orleans this week and then you have the QB number one and you just try to try to trade them to yeah somebody. It's, it's always hard to trade quarterbacks the market it just really isn't is as strong but maybe you can try maybe someone is like they have russell wilson and they're just like oh what do i do and maybe you can do something about it yeah because it's so easy to stream quarterbacks we've talked about this mm-hmm. time and time again so i mean if you could get any value from matt ryan really yeah uh, after three strong weeks you probably could there are teams out there that still love the quarterback position mm-hmm. i mean they do score the most points i mean in every league you'll probably have a few people that really value the quarterback position that will draft a couple of quarterbacks that will hoard quarterbacks on their benches uh so you know it's an attractive trade piece to have at your disposal indeed uh let's move on to running backs your sneaky running back starts uh is there anyone you'd like to start with here 
Uh, the obvious guy is uh, Chucky Sims. Chuck Sims, yeah. Chuck Sims. I mean, people should be starting him. He was probably on your bench last week, uh, most definitely on your bench last week. But mm-hmm. this week, uh, you should be firing him up, especially if you're a Doug Martin owner because you lost that spot in your lineup, so you just plug in Sims. I mean, that's the whole point of having a handcuff. Now, there are a lot of people that drafted Sims that don't own Martin, so he might be your you know, third, fourth running back option. But I think he will be the workhorse back. He will get the first chance to be that guy mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay with Martin out. I know there have been rumblings of Jacquees coming in, taking some of the touches, but he has been mediocre throughout yeah. his entire career. He's like a 3.5 yards per carry back throughout his entire career. Uh, Sims has been in the offense for a while. Uh, he's kind of been chomping at the bit to get his chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, he didn't really get that opportunity. This could be it for Sims, so I think they want to see what they have in, in Sims. So definitely start Sims, I mean, as an RB2 or maybe a flex play. But again, that's more of an obvious start. Yeah, uh, it's borderline like, sneaky. Borderline yeah, sneaky. it's like it's a little high, but it's like maybe you're getting cute. Maybe, yeah, like you didn't know Doug Martin and you don't need to start him. But it's like, no, at least flex him because he's, he should have a very high floor. Um, just based off of like the volume he's going to get in this game. And the Rams' defense is, they have a really good pass rush, but their run defense isn't as good as I think they get credit for. Um, so far, yeah. adjusted for schedule, they're the 22nd best run defense in the league, which is not great. Um, yeah, Hyde, Hyde tore them up in week one. Uh, yeah. C-Mike did a lot of damage against them last week, so yeah, could be big for Sims. Uh, let's move on. Speaking of C-Mike, uh, yeah, let's little, just transition right into C Mike right now. Um, yeah, C Mike, this is keep an eye on the injury report, but it's looking more and more like Rawls might not play. He mispracticed both Wednesday and today, Thursday. Um, depending on when this video goes live, you will know if he mispracticed on Friday or not. Um, but even if he doesn't, even if he comes back and he practices Friday, I'm, I'd still be wary of Rawls having any significant role. So I think C Mike is a. A, a definitely a sneaky start this week going against uh, San Francisco, who are 30th against the run, so not a very good run defense, despite bottling up Gurley, um, you know, because they sold out to do that with the Panthers. Um, Fozzie just ran all over them. <laughs> Fozzie Whitaker, baby. Fozzie Whitaker. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like yeah. C-Mike as a nice, a nice sneaky guy in this game. Yeah, and I, what did uh, PD say? C Mike's been shot out of a cannon. Shot out. He does look. Woo! Yeah, he does look like markedly better than Rawls so far this season, and that might have more to do with just like Rawls is still getting back in game shape. He's not quite a hundred percent yet. Um, you can look for Rawls probably honestly like during week five, being like a buy low guy we're screaming about because he gets. He's probably not going to do anything this week, and next week Seattle gets the Jets, which the running back will probably struggle against, and then it's their bye week. And so by then, the Rawls owner is just probably going to be close to dropping him, and you can get him for, like, very free, I imagine. Yeah, well, he might just end up on the waiver wire, yeah. being one of those. <laughs> oh, he's going, on to his, he's going into his bye week. I'm just going to drop him. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. So, yeah. But see, Mike, definitely a good sneaky start this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has looked like the best running back in Seattle through two weeks. Yeah. Uh, he's probably one of those guys you're sitting, if you have him on your team, you're sitting there thinking, like, am I really going to buy into this C-Mike hype again, you know? But this time he's actually showing that he can do it in the regular season yeah. for more than, like, a quarter at a time. He's been consistent. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of preseason, he's looked good for about, you know, six games, albeit four of them were in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so C-Mike has a C-woke. Yeah. And now C-Mike he should be a, a, a C-start. <laughs> C-start. Yeah, C-start. Um Let's, let's move on. I'll, I'll throw out a guy. You didn't super agree with me on this one, and I didn't even like him as soon as, like, a couple days ago. But I've come around, and that is uh, Isaiah Crowell. Cool. Um, cool. It's a little bit concerning when you look at what his production actually is. He has the big fantasy numbers, but a lot of them have come on big runs and kind of garbage-time parts of the game. Uh, but, you know, and that is concerning for his long-term prospects. But for this week against Miami, um, Game, game script alike you go where they are down very, very much, and there's probably some garbage time that's nice for him to run in. Uh, Miami, adjusted for schedule, have the worst run defense in the league, so he shouldn't have too much trouble finding room, and they won't be able to throw it at all, probably, because it's Cody Kessler throwing it to 
Terrell Pryor as his number one Ooh. receiver, and Gary Barnage, who like couldn't come back to life even with uh, McCown there. So <laughs> no. Crow, Crow will Our, be like the focal point of this offense. Maybe we'll be wrong, and it'll actually be all Duke Johnson, and then we'll finally get the Duke game. But yep. I, I think I'm on Crow this week as a... Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of 50-50 with Crow. I mean, I see the appeal. Uh, you look at their offense right now, you look at Hugh Jackson, and you think that he's just going to deploy a run-heavy offense. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to expose Kessler to, you know, making mistakes, turning the ball over. He's probably going to play a safe road football game, which means that they're going to come out and they're going to try to run the ball early. My concern is that Crow, he's looked good in small periods throughout the season. Now, if you go back to week one, he had 62 rushing yards and a touchdown. Good fantasy numbers. But 40 of the 62 yards came in the last drive of the game when they were already down by three scores. Mm -hmm. And Philadelphia just wasn't playing defense. Yeah. All right. Uh, Last week against Baltimore, he was getting bottled up most of the game, but he ripped off that 85-yard touchdown run, which is not his M.O. I mean, he's (laughs) not like this burner that's just gonna you know rip off these 80 yard touchdown runs that's not really what he does he's kind of this grind grind it out type of running back so he had the 85 yard touchdown run he didn't do much else after that so if you take garbage time out you take that 185 yard run out and i don't like using the narrative if you take out their best play that they're mediocre but you do look for some right. degree of consistency and basically his yards per carry drops down to like the two range which is not very good i think if you, i saw the stat that if you take those plays out he has something like 26 carries for 60 yards so not very good whatsoever but then again we look at hughes track record we look at what he has to work with right now, and they're going to try to win the game. Uh, running the ball could be what they have to do to win the game. So I think Crow is, is a sneaky start. I think people are probably starting him this week as well because of what he's done. Yeah. It seems like he's a solid running back too now. So I like Crow. I can see that panning out. You know what I mean, other I'm not running back bullish. has a very low yards per carry average if we take out their big home run hits? Todd Gurley. So you basically just said that Isaiah Crow is Todd Gurley. Boom. Book it. <laughs> there it is. Uh, no, I'm with, I'm with you and all that stuff. It's really it's about the matchup and the very likely game script that they're just completely down and out by halftime. I mean, who knows? Maybe Cody Kessler is actually good, and that ruins everything for Isaiah Crowell. But yeah, we will see. That's no. why he's a sneaky start and not an obvious start. He's a sneaky start. <laughs> yeah. But to, to your Gurley comment... Now, the, I read the, probably the same article that you read that if you take away his big gainers, then he, his average drops to like three-something. We're not talking about he's not dropping to sub-three <laughs> yards per carry. I think that's probably the same for just about any elite back. All right. Oh, let's just go take their 80-yard touchdown runs out, and Gurley had a number of really long runs. It's kind of, I was saying it's not Crow's MO. Well, that's part of Gurley's package, right? He's known to rip off these long Maybe runs. now this is Crow's MO. Maybe he's finally come to life, and this is what he actually is. Crow-woke? <laughs> Crow-woke. <laughs> there it is. All right. No, I'm not, I'm not, okay. not going to get in this argument where I think Isaiah Crow is good, because that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, well, you never know. You never know. Maybe. Last two. Last well, two are probably more on the sneaky These are, sneaky like, spectrum. very sneaky. Like, you're not going to feel good about either of these. Yeah, so uh, let's go with the CAP in Carolina. Cameron Artis Payne. Uh, yeah, this one is kind of just being a little contrarian. You know, there's the, the Fozzie Whitaker love after last week, but uh, last year when Jonathan Stewart was out, uh, Cameron Artis Payne was does. the yep. <laughs> uh, cap was the guy. He averaged 4.6 yards a carry during that span, uh, so he was good too. Um, and the coach even came out and said, He's going to be the guy. They're going to go back to to Artis Payne. So you you start him hoping that's true, and it's not just a committee with Fozzie. Um, but because if he is the guy, um, then that's you know he makes him a nice flex. The problem is Minnesota is actually like a very good defense. Um, they're looking like they're like just across the board run defense everything. Um, yeah. So he might not have any room to run in the first place. So that's why it's like I don't feel great about it. But if you're like, this is like a really deep league and you're just like destitute and you can't even find like a second running back to start, like he might be on your wire and you could do, you could do worse. Yeah, I mean, that's, 
probably the case for a lot of teams right now because, I mean, we've seen it in both of our leagues where the team wasn't deep to start mm-hmm. in the running back position. Then with this last week, a couple running backs go down. I mean, we lost Amir. We lost Doug Martin. Uh, we lost Adrian Peterson. I mean, they were just dropping like flies. So there could be a team that is just, I mean, they don't have anybody. So yeah. Cap is one of those guys you know that he will be involved whether or not he's going to put up, you know, the numbers that you want. It's a different story. Right. But he will get the touches, and that's what you're looking for in fantasy. So, Artris Payne, the pain train. The pain train. Sneaky start. Um, the last guy that I have on my list here, uh, he was drafted as a starting running back. He's off to a slow start. We've mentioned him before as well. But he's going against a putrid Washington run defense this week. I think you should start Rashad Jennings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week, he got bottled up by New Orleans. He only had 27 yards on 13 carries. He got dinged up, and I think a lot of people are a little bit worried with uh, Vereen's usage, how it's kind of spiked. Yeah. Um, I think Jennings is still the guy. McAdoo leaned on him heavily at the end of last year, and Jennings actually had an okay week one. Yeah. He didn't get the touchdown, but he almost had 80 rushing yards. Uh, if he would have scored in week one, he would have had one of the better fantasy performances of the week. Last week was disappointing, but he's still the guy in New York. He will get the early down work, and he'll probably get around 15 carries against Washington. Maybe a few looks in the passing game, even though that's more of Rain's thing. But I think he will mm-hmm. be the, the goal, out, goal line guy. Uh, and he has a bounce back week. I can see him putting up like 80 yards on a touchdown this week. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like him as a yeah, a nice little sneaky guy. You might be want to bench him after last week, but he got he got hurt last week, so it kind of explains he why did. he lost so many snaps. And it sounds like he's going to play this week. Um, yeah, so yeah, I like it. Um, flex him, flex him, boom. Uh, let's move on to wide receivers. That's enough running backs. We have quite a few wide receivers. Maybe we'll do this a little more rapid fire. Um, yeah, rapid fire. Uh, wide receivers, let's just kind of rattle a few off. Uh, mm-hmm. We already talked about Oakland's porous pass defense. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned Mariota. Well, who is his number one target? Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp, yep. Uh, everything everything we said that makes Mariota good uh, makes Tajay good. Just a suspect, soft secondary. He's the number one target, <laughs> as you grimace at that. Um, he's got Sean uh, Smith, who's apparently the worst corner in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, Sean Smith is giving up uh, 1.02 fantasy points per route, which is dead last. That's really good. Uh, you know, <laughs> fantasy-wise, I hope Tajay does well. Right. Because we're mentioning him as a sneaky start. Real life-wise, I hope Sean Smith rebounds and shuts him down. Well, I mean, come we'll on. find out. Come on, Smith. Yeah, Taji might what be sitting doing? on your bench. <laughs> um, but we're saying, if you can, throw him in your flex. Um, Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp. He had a down week last week, so you might be kind of off Tajay. Like, oh, week one, this this whole wide receiver on Tennessee thing, This I'm done with this experiment. Well, mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't be for at least one more week. At least one more week, yeah. I think Sharp's going to be up and down all season, but this is one of the the weeks where it should be up. Um, Another guy, this one's maybe a little more more obvious, uh, but maybe you were also thinking you'd wait and see what happens with it, but uh, Philip Dorsett. uh, Now with the injury of Moncrief, he steps in as the number two in this offense, Um, and they're playing San Diego, which outside of Verrett is a good good matchup, and you expect Verrett's going to be on Hilton most of the game. Um, and so that kind of leaves Dorsett as the, the wide-open number two. Uh, I guess some of the concern is that maybe they go more, like, too tight end set heavy, but even then he should play a ton of snaps and get a lot more opportunity than he's ever seen, and so he's a nice yeah. guy to just throw in your flex and hope for a big play. He profiles a lot like T.Y. Hilton. They're almost the same player, um, so he's, he's like, a, he's like a, a nice big play threat. So he's, he's a nice yeah. guy to throw in your flex and hope he can just catch some bomb from Luck. Yeah, don't time. forget Dorsett was a first round draft pick, so they have high expectations and they're trying they're trying to hype him up in the media. You know, they're saying this is his chance. Mm-hmm. We need Dorsett to really step in and be that guy and we're gonna give him every opportunity to be that guy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean if you drafted Dorsett, I know he was kind of a popular late round dart throw. And the narrative was that okay, they're gonna run a lot of three wide receiver sets, and if 
Hilton or Moncrief get injured, he is the next guy up, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So Moncrief is out for six weeks approximately. Dorsett should, I mean, have his chance to shine. Uh, again, more of a popular choice because of the injury right. news on Moncrief, but you definitely should give Dorsett a chance this week against San Diego. San Diego. Uh, moving right next, along. Next up. Moving right along uh, to the next one. This is a guy we've named every week, and we're going to name him again because he hasn't truly blown up yet, so you might not be willing to just fully lean in and starting him, and that's Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Once again, he's got a a soft matchup against the Redskins. You might be worried about Josh Norman, who in the last two weeks played sides of the field instead of just shadowing the number one. Well, this week they came out and said, no, Norman is going to be shadowing Odell Beckham, uh, which leaves... Breland on Shepard, and Breland's been kind of getting lit up so far all season. Um, so that's a yeah, good opening yes. for for Shepard to come in and just just feast on him. Um, and all Shepard's been missing is the touchdowns. He's been super efficient, um, made a lot out of his his workload. So this could be the week where he finally gets in the end zone, and then everyone's like, "Whoa, who's the Sterling Shepard guy who just dropped like twenty fantasy points this week?" Um, yeah, so throw him out there Sterling Shep yeah third week in a row so far he's produced over 10 points both weeks so you might as well keep on riding the train yeah riding the train all right moving on quickly let's go rapid fire a little bit here Boom. next up we have uh since we talked about Matt Ryan we might as well talk about the uh, Sanu Canoe might be a little s- sneaky start this week because you know he doesn't have the name appeal that uh Julio Jones has for, um, for some reason, I don't know why. But the Sanu Canoe, he's the second wide receiver in the Atlanta passing offense, which has looked uh, highly efficient. Mm. Uh, Sanu already had a big week one game against Tampa. This week, they're going into New Orleans, who has struggled a little bit with the second wide receiver. We saw it last week with uh, the guy we just talked about, Sterling, Sterling Shepard, putting up over 100 yards. Uh, Victor Cruz uh, putting up 91 one. yards also, like the, the aggregate of their number two. Just kind of feasting on them. And then, yeah, Crabtree week one, your boy, putting up 87 My boy, yards. Yeah, and then you have that two-point conversion, which won yeah. them the game. So that's, that's the important part. You get points for if they win the game. Well, you should. Well, you, <laughs> well, you got two points for that catch because it was a two-point conversion. And I know the whole two-point conversion thing screwed up your keeping score segment. Oh, God, I know. Week, you so. just, yeah, I, I didn't look for it at all this week, too. I was like, nah, I'm not going to bother with that. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe you'll call me out again and be like, oh, where's this person? <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, so yeah. Sunny was just like the pretty obvious going against a very soft Saints secondary. Um, Julio is kind of banged up. Who knows how much shape he's in? Um, so it's possible that Julio isn't fully himself, and then Sanu is getting more of the target. So, yeah, again, somebody might put on your bench, but no, he could he could feast this week. He could, yeah. Who else you got? Keep him coming. Uh, this one, we're not going to go too in-depth, which is Mike Wallace uh, yeah. going against Jacksonville. It's just pretty simple. He has been... He's done pretty well so far with the Ravens. I worry a little bit about how many targets he's getting. It's not like he's getting a ton of targets. He's just doing a lot with them. But as long as it's happening, I say keep keep going with it. You know, some Wait. sometimes in the week soon we'll be saying that you should sell Mike Wallace, but it's not yet. So yeah, keep, and in case you didn't out. realize, Mike Wallace is the wide receiver six right now. Yeah, he's he's having himself a little renaissance. So a renaissance. I mean, let's uh, the top six wide receivers: Benjamin, Snead, Diggs, Fitzgerald, Cooks, Mike Wallace. Boom, man, that is like the last thing. The zero RB lobby wants you to see is that the top six wide receivers <laughs> are like all guys that went late. That besides Cooks, Cooks yeah. is the only guy, and even then, Pe- Cooks was kind of getting like rushed under the rug. Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe Cooks. Um, yeah, but uh, Wallace, he has three touchdowns, and and Flacco keeps on talking to the media about how he loves Mike Wallace. Yeah. I mean, that could be fluff, but it seems like he's trying to back it up with his play. Uh, he's targeting Wallace in the red zone or in the end zone at least. Some mm-hmm. some of these targets are like deep passes to the end zone. But I mean, he he came out this week and said, "I'm going to keep feeding Mike Wallace." I think that was his direct quote. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> keep I mean, I guess his. he's uh, he's the number one or kind of the the co number one with Steve Smith, who's kind of always the number one in Baltimore, the the rotting corpse of Steve Smith. Um, so Wallace, Wallace? stardom. Start him. Let's move on to the next guy, uh, Tyrell Williams. Uh, just going up against a, a suspect Colt secondary. Um, there's word that Vontae might be back. But Vontae, if he is back, might even be on Travis Benjamin. Who even knows who he's on? He might just play one side of the field because there isn't an obvious guy to shadow. Um, yep. 
So Tyrell, just against this, this in this very good matchup, um, is is a guy that is is worth hiding into your flex if you're not you know super deep. Uh, he he looked he looked good last week on that one like forty yard touchdown he took yeah. to the house. He was kind of bouncing off defenders too. I mean, he yeah. does uh, have the body type of the wide receiver that yeah Phil Rivers fast. likes to throw to. He yeah. kind of pro profiles as the number one wide receiver in san diego right now mm-hmm. benjamin is more of that kind of gadget type of wide receiver yeah. where he'll catch some short uh slant patterns he'll catch some screen passes and then he just runs with the ball uh, and then he'll go run down the field on a couple of routes as well because he's a shifty small wide receiver shifty. so yeah tyrell shifty um next tyrell who i'll let you talk about this next guy because i know he's kind of your your poster boy and that's a uh, Devonte parker Oh yeah, Devontae Parker. I've come around on Devontae. I've been I was up and down on him all off season because of the news around his uh his his hammies or his legs in general. I mean, he his quads, whatever it is. He's he's always hurting something. And they actually called him out on it in the preseason. Gaze came out and said, Look, man, you gotta do better. I mean you you have to take care of your body because this is ridiculous. Yeah. But Devontae Parker, uh he was a highly touted wide receiver. When he was drafted, Miami, he was supposed to be their guy last year. But again, preseason, he hurt himself, wasn't able to play for the majority of the season. During the second half of the season, he kind of came on Mm -hmm. as their top receiver. And he profiles as his ex-receiver in the Adam Gase offense. And last week was his first game of the season. So if you're looking at his stats and you're like, he's got 10 points on the season. What are you talking about? He didn't play in week one, guys. Uh, Last week, he came out. 13 targets to lead the Dolphins, including a, a red zone target. So he's getting, I mean, they've only had uh, a few red zone targets in the game. Uh, so he, technically he leads a team with red zone targets with one. Uh, so <laughs> so Devontae Parker, one. <laughs> yeah, um, over 100 yards, 13 targets. I mean, really, we talked about how, or at least I talked about how I believe that Miami's going to completely shift into this pass-heavy offense uh, I think we'll see Tannehill throwing the ball almost 40 times a game, hmm. which is not may, might not be the best recipe with w- the pieces that they have. But Gase loves these type of receivers. We've seen it. He had DT in Denver and Alshon Jeffrey last year in Chicago, who, I mean, elite-level wide receivers when Gase had them. Uh, this year, that could be Devontae Parker. And I think we mentioned on the show yesterday part of – Winning fantasy championships is kind of getting ahead of this blow up. Right. You know, if you got if you got ahead of the Stefan Diggs blow up, you're sitting pretty. But I think I mean Parker has always had a ridiculous high ceiling. The upside has always been there because he's freakishly talented. Uh, there were some concerns about his route running and some concerns about his injury history. Mm-hmm. But when he's on the field, I mean, he could be that X receiver in Adam Gay's offense, and that means he's going to get fed, right? So he could turn into... Demarius Thomas, Alshon Jeffrey. He's going to be both of those guys combined into one. That's Devontae Parker. Demarius Jeffrey. I mean, (laughs) Demarius Jeffrey Parker. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Uh, Yeah, so start Devontae Parker this week. Uh, Flex him at the very least. Mm. Uh, If for some reason you're looking through your league and you realize a Devonte Parker owner is not even playing Devonte Parker, I would even go out and try to make a low ball offer. Like yeah, you're really going to trust this guy's legs. Come on, man. It's <laughs> Devonte Parker. Uh, he doesn't really have the appeal yet. There are a lot of question marks around Devonte Parker. Uh, go out and get him. start him. get him. Uh, get him. Next up, this is sort of a conditional one. And so you're going to have to sort of keep an eye on what happens with Brandon Marshall. But if Brandon Marshall doesn't play, or if he's Greg like, Salas. or if he's like a yeah, Greg Salas, <laughs> um, yeah, a player on a different team. Uh, or if he's yeah. like a real game time decision. If it's looking really sketchy with Marshall, uh, throw out Quincy Anunwa, um, going up against the Chiefs, who surprisingly adjusted for schedule have been the most generous to the wide receiver, thirty second. Uh, I guess they haven't really faced any elite wide receivers yet. They got like a little bit of Keenan Allen before he. Uh, they died. faced Hopkins last they faced week, Hopkins, right? but they haven't really faced like an, uh, an elite passing offense, I guess, is one way to look at it. Um, I don't know. I didn't come up with these schedule adjusted numbers. Ask them. Um, 
Quincy and Yunwei, yeah. away that. <laughs> You're supposed to just, you know, take this as our own metric. This is the our bench own dash bench metric. dash metric. Um, <laughs> yeah, Quincy and Yunwei, it's just like, uh, yeah, if, if Marshall misses or is there is a decoy, then Yunwei will see a ton more targets. And he did a lot with his targets uh, last week, now a week ago. If he hadn't gotten kind of shooken up in that game, he might have done even more with it. So, yeah. He's a nice sneaky start in that situation. Uh, we got two more guys. These are, if you're really desperate, if you're just like... Yeah, throw them out. This is like 16-team league. You've been riddled with injuries. You apparently don't know how to draft, and these are the options you're left with. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to like throw them both out at the same time because neither are worth getting in too deeply. Uh, Kenny Britt, uh, yep. my favorite, and Terrell Pryor, um, former quarterback. Uh, and it's just... Kenny Rich says he's the number one target, it looks like, or at least the most productive target on the Rams against Tampa Bay, who they're kind of profile as they're a good run, run defense, but not a very good pass defense. So that kind of means that the Rams can be forced to throw. Enter Kenny Britt, who's been productive through two games. And then Terrell Pryor is just, he's the, the number one guy in this offense right now. He's the only guy. He's the guy. It's him and Gary Barnage. And, you know, the good news with Pryor is because he's like, you know, this kind of freak athlete a little bit. Um, he just he just kind of needs one big play. We saw that in the preseason, that like deep touchdown he caught, and then he like was blowing up Twitter for a day. Um, and the Miami <laughs> secondary is not good; it's really bad. So all it will take is some garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter, and Troll Pryor was worth a start. Um, again, yeah. I, I don't like strongly recommend this. This is like if you're really in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these guys are both owned in our 12-team league, so I could see a situation where somebody is, you know, they're desperate. It would really have to be a desperation play for yeah. Terrell Pryor or Kenny Britt, but hey, why not? Why not? Uh, let's move on to the tight, tight ends. ends. Um, we'll start with the, I guess, the most obvious name of the bunch, and we mentioned him earlier, Dennis Pitta. Yeah. Um, just got... How many targets did he get last week? Like tw- 12 targets last week? 12 targets 12 last targets. Week, yeah. Caught all of them, um, I think. No, he didn't catch all of them. He caught most of them. Um, yeah, he, he had over 100 yards last yeah. week. Uh, didn't score a touchdown, but if your tight end is getting over 100 yards receiving, then you're doing well. Okay. Yeah, touchdown I mean, away if that's from what he's going to Yeah, if he's going to do that on a consistent basis, and I know it seems unlikely, but there is a chance that Pitta is the number one receiving option in Baltimore. Based uh, off the targets he Target-wise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mike Wallace is that big play guy, but the sort of moving the chains guy, it's Dennis Pitta. He's kind of what I think people hoped Kamar Aiken might turn into, and that didn't happen. It's, uh, it's Dennis Pitta. And so if he's, if he's out there, go get him. And if you have him, there's probably a very short list of tight ends that are honestly worth starting over him. Yeah, I mean, he was a very popular waiver wire ad this week, mm-hmm. so he might not be out on your wire, but if you have him on your roster and you're like, should I start him? Uh, yeah, you probably should. I mean, unless your tight end is, you know, maybe it's somebody like Jordan Reed or... Like the I mean, obvious who, guys, like Reed, Olsen, uh, Laney, I'd still start over yeah, him. Yeah, Lane, especially against Oakland. Probably Kelsey. Um, the line is then like, Julius Thomas, Eric Ebron, like he's at that group. He's at like that group of guys. I would yeah, I'd say start him. O- I'd start him over Ebron, even though yeah. I've, I like what Ebron has done so far. But Pitta, yeah, he could be. I mean, he's probably right in that tight end six, seven yeah. range right now. So he's mm-hmm. tight end one for sure. Yeah. Uh, another guy who we saw shine on Monday Night Football in Chicago. In Chicago, uh, Trey Burton. Tim Burton. Uh, Tim Burton. Uh, this one is just kind of a a target thing. Uh, he had he got seven targets. He caught five of them for forty nine yards and a touchdown. Um, yep. Clearly, um, Wentz likes the tight end. We saw Ertz being productive week one before he got hurt. It doesn't sound like Ertz is going to come back this week for sure. So Burton's just a nice throw him out there. Yeah. Like like if there's just really yeah. like if the options out there are really thin, Burton is a good. Um, I feel like his floor is like pretty high. His ceiling probably isn't very high. He probably has a pretty low ceiling. But just based off of the target share, he's probably safe for 50 to maybe like 70 yards, and you hope he gets a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I could see a situation where the Antonio Gates owner yeah. needs to go out and pick up a tight end 
quickly because the news with Gates kind of broke uh, a little bit late. So you might not have realized that Gates probably isn't going to play this week. So if you already made your waiver claims and then you're sitting there like, oh, shit, I need to pick up a tight end. Burton's out there almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple other guys, but I like Burton to pick up in a pinch. Yeah. Stardom uh, should produce because Wentz likes to kind of check down to those tight ends. Burton is the guy until Ertz gets back. Uh, yeah, we'll throw out another one. Jacob Tammy. This one, I don't want to Tammy? say it's obvious, but his name's been thrown around a little bit. Uh, and he, it's just that he gets New Orleans, who are also awful against the tight end. So it's just getting a piece of an offense going against New Orleans is kind of the play. Yeah, 16 targets so far for Tammy. So yeah. eight a game. Uh, that's third overall in the league. So he's getting that's targeted great. a lot by Matt Ryan. Yeah. And that's all you can really look look at when you're, I mean, trying to evaluate fantasy tight ends. I mean, are they getting targets and tammy's getting targets he's getting looks in all areas of the field so you have to like jacob tammy as a streamer yeah to be clear i would play tammy over burton too like i'd go like so far it's pitta tammy burton is the order i'd play them in um and then the next guy this is one is probably right there with burton for me um that's vance mcdonald uh vance vance uh and it's not really chasing that 75 yard touchdown um i don't expect that to happen again it's really just that he's playing Seattle, who so far this season are 26th against the tight end, and just over the last few years have always been weak against the tight end. The interior of their pass defense is just weak. It's either like the slot receiver or the tight end. Whoever is sort of running up the seam there just seems to be able to eat. Um, yep. And so that's a play with Vance. Maybe you know maybe it's Curly that gets more of it, but I expect that. Um, I'm hoping Seattle offense bounces back enough to maintain a lead. Um, and then the 49ers are throwing a lot, and... I don't expect Torrey Smith to be able to get open against Richard Sherman. So I think Vance is kind of the, the main beneficiary of playing catch-up. All right. And the uh, the guy we close out our uh, segment with this is, is a, uh, this year's Gary Barnage. This, yeah, 2016 Gary Barnage. We're planting our flag. Uh, if you listen to us this time last year, we called out Gary Barnage like a week before everyone else. We were like, ah, maybe this Gary Barnage guy, and then he blew up, and that's when everyone else jumped on him. So we're calling him now um, <laughs> Jack Doyle of the Indianapolis Colts. Jack Doyle. Uh, this one, it's, it's mostly based off of the Moncrief injury for me. Um, yeah. It's a combination of things. The first week, you know, he caught two touchdowns, vultured from Dwayne Allen, and at first, like, oh, maybe that's a fluke. But then week two... Against Denver, uh, he out-targets Dwayne Allen, too. Um, and it's like, okay, that's a little bit concerning. And so now yep. without Moncrief, um, it is fair to expect they go to a two-tight end set, which means his snap percentage will go up. And it'll be he was playing 60% of snaps with Moncrief in. So it's possible it goes yep. up even higher now that he's out. Um, and he's already shown that he's you know one of Luck's red zone favorites. He's out-targeting Dwayne Allen for some reason. So Doyle... He might actually be what people were hoping Dwayne Allen was this year. Um, Coming out of nowhere, Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle. So, yeah, the bench dash flag is planted in Jack Doyle. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, and if we're he planting our flag. Week, if he blows up this week and, like, the normal, like, fantasy Twitter is like, oh, man, Jack Doyle, got to go get him. Like, that's when you need to you need to at them. You need to slide into their mentions and be like, yo, bench dash said it first. You need to, you need to rep us. There you go. That's how you um, do it. And be like, look, last year they were on Gary Barnage, the barnyard dog. The barnyard this year dog. they've picked out Jack Doyle. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be our track record, right? Picking these uh, seemingly mediocre tight ends that kind of yeah. come out of nowhere and just dominate the league. Jack Doyle, he's got a good name. Barnage had a good name. I mean, Jack Doyle sounds like he could be your plumber, which is what you're looking for in a tight end. You want that plumber just, name. That blue collar, he it's works a very hard. Blue collar name, yeah. You know, yeah. That's because Indi- Indianapolis's jerseys are blue, right? There it is, blue jerseys, blue collar. <laughs> Jack Doyle, bench dash, Jack Doyle. Boom. 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 All right, that'll wrap up sneaky starts. Screaming hot, tight ends. Tight ends. All right, we're gonna move on uh, to our final segment of the episode. Uh, Keeping score, yeah. yeah. Now that this is where I'm gonna gonna take the lead here. Uh, yeah, keeping score. I sort of started this last week, and it's already kind of gotten a little bit of flack on Twitter and on YouTube of the, the zero RB people getting a little bit defensive. Um, 
What, I, what I'm doing is I'm just each week, I'm looking at who finished top 12 in running back and wide receiver ones, so your RB1s and your wide receiver ones, and I'm seeing what their ADP was, and I'm just sort of highlighting how many players drafted top 24 finished in the top 12. Guys you drafted as a starter who finished as top 12, who, you know, helped you, because you, you don't want to have a guy finish top 24. You don't want an RB2 or a wide receiver 2. That doesn't actually help you at all. Like, you don't they're not losing you your week, but they're not winning you your week either. You want as many running back ones and wide receiver ones as you can get. And so that's sort of the where I chose the cutoff of these guys. You took as a starter. You took planning to have them be someone you'd use most weeks, so that's why it's top 24. Um, but they finish as somewhere they can help you. Um, and so we will start with um, let's start with wide receiver. So just pop that up right. here on the screen. Ba-blam. Uh, Blam. So for those of you watching on YouTube, you can already see. Where they finished, for those of you listening on Where iTunes. Yeah, you can't see I it. I can't see it. Where is it, <laughs> uh, guys? For those of you on iTunes, I'll just rattle this off really quick. Uh, number one was Stefan Diggs. No surprise if you saw that Ooh. game. Finished with 24 fantasy points. This is all in standard scoring. Um, yeah. None of that PPR nonsense, which is probably more of what ZORB is angled at. This is more about, does yep. this work in standard too? Let's find out. Um, yep. So Stefan Diggs, number one, he was drafted as the wide receiver 42 in the ninth round. <sighs> So not, not someone you took as a starter. Screaming uh, hot value. No diggity. Um, <laughs> no, number two is Travis Benjamin with 23.4 fantasy points. Drafted as a wide receiver 46 in the 11th mm. round. Again, you were not trying to start Travis Benjamin. Uh, we got our first starter of the wide receivers at three, Kelvin Benjamin, taken as the wide receiver 24. Literally the last person taken as a starter. Yeah. 22.8 fantasy points. Uh, so far, he's looking very good this year. Yeah, uh, he has. Corey Coleman, rest in peace, rest in peps. Yeah, uh, um, he was the wide receiver four with his oh, two touchdowns, 22.4 fantasy points, but drafted as the wide receiver 45, 10th round. He was a sleeper. Um, next, we get Eric Decker, another starter. He finished fifth. He was drafted as the wide receiver 23, just barely taken as a starter at the yes. end of the fourth round, and he had 18.6 fantasy points. Uh, next is DeAndre Hopkins. The first stud that's actually on this list. Yep. Drafted nope. as a wide receiver four, first rounder, uh, and he produces a wide receiver six. So actually producing pretty close to his ADP, too. Um, so that's good. If you, You're glad to see that at a nuke after week one. Uh, number seven, Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin. Um, Mark- <laughs> I don't know how you say his first name. Um, the Olympian. The Olympian, yeah, yeah, basically he's tried out for the Olympics. So that's something. Uh, he was he went undrafted. He's nobody, but he finished yeah. the seventh, seventh wide receiver with seventeen fantasy points. Eighth, Julio Jones, the only other stud on this list, taken as a mm-hmm. wide receiver three, finished eighth, sixteen fantasy points. Uh, Mike Wallace clocks in a wide receiver nine. There he is, sixteen fantasy points, but he was taken as wide receiver fifty nine. Uh, wow. The 14th round, undrafted in some leagues, and as a result, perhaps, or just very late. Um, number 10, Danny Amendola, uh, with 15 fantasy what? points. Uh, drafted as a wide receiver 72, um, round 19. So that's like MFL 10s at that point, or like yeah. the FFPC league that we're doing that so far I hate. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Come whoa, whoa, whoa. on. Whoa, whoa. All right, it's not fair. It's only been two weeks. Uh, mostly, it's not like you can't trade, man. I want to be able to trade. That's, that's, like know, the best that's part. half the fun. I know. Um, so Danny Amendola comes in wide receiver 10. 11, Greg Salsa, Greg Salas, however you say his name. Salsa. Salsa. Um, pretty much the same. It's an anagram, Pretty much right? the same. Yeah. Undra- <laughs> he went undrafted but had, you know, 14.9 fantasy points. And then last is Larry Fitzgerald. Um, almost drafted as a starter, but he was taken as wide receiver 28. So technically not a starter. Ooh. Sorry, guys. Taken at the end of the fifth round. Um and 14 fantasy points. So, as we saw this week, only four wide receivers drafted as a starter finish in the top 12. That leaves eight guys that, most of which you could have gotten really late. These are mostly guys that are wide receiver 42 and and later. These are like yep. the late, late guys that were probably on your bench and you're upset about, um, or just not even on your team. So, yeah. not not a good week for the the early wide receiver zero rb crew um it did not turn out well for them well get used to stefan Diggs hearing that name because i think he's going to be the guy we look at mm-hmm. and say oh well you're talking about these running backs you can find late that become useful stefan Diggs is probably going to end up as a wide receiver too 
I mean, if he reproduces the games that he's put up already, then he will be like top 15 wide receiver this year. Oh, it yeah. might be a little early to say that, but I feel pretty confident saying that he's a wide receiver too. And like you said, he was drafted like the ninth round. Yeah, yeah ninth round. He's taken very late. And yeah, wide receiver too, I think is probably his floor just off of being the number yeah. one on that offense. Should see a ton of workload. Has a competent quarterback in Sam Bradford, it appears. So, yeah, Sammy Bagels. <laughs> Sammy Bagels, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, Diggs is, Diggs is money this year. I like him a lot. Uh, so let's move on to the running backs. But blam, that's up on the screen. Um, oh, for those is it of you, over here? It is actually, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. Uh, for those of you wondering what the colors mean, because you're seeing I have highlighted some colors, green means they were drafted top 12. Yellow means they were drafted um, as a number two at their position, but like pretty close to the edge, like running back 15. That's so close that it's like you kind of like saying, ah, oh, that's right there. And then orange is the guys that are just barely starters, like around running back 24. Um, okay. And then uncolored is they weren't drafted as a starter. So running backs. Number one was Matt Forte, taken as a starter, running back 15 in the fourth round. If you draft Matt Forte, you were starting him. You probably started him week one. You were definitely starting him this week after we did week one. So 28.9 yeah, fantasy points, beast of a week, Matt Forte. Number two, uh, apparently my boy, Isaiah Crowell. <laughs> there he is. Uh, taken as the running back 41 in the 11th round. Um, which if wow. you if you listen to me at that's all during the offseason, I was saying that's a value. I like to crow there, and it's, it's paid yeah. off through two weeks. Uh, 20.8 fantasy points. The number three running back, D'Angelo Williams. No one's really surprised to see that. Yeah. Um, this is one of those weird ones where it's like you were kind of drafting him as a starter, but only for three weeks. So yeah. I'm not going to count it just based off of he's not helping you season long. It's going to be Lev Bell uh, yeah. week four. Yeah, yeah you get one Lev more Bell's week at D'Angelo Williams. So like enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's lasted. Uh, running back 32 is where he's drafted, eighth round. Um, the fourth running back was LeGarrette Blunt, taken <laughs> running back 37 in the ninth round, 18.3 fantasy points. So, so far through the first four, it's like, oh, he's are signing like a bunch of late guys. This is looking good for zero RB. Well, not after this. Hold your horses. Hold yeah. your horses. Number five, Melvin Gordon. Um, he was taken as the running back 23, just barely a starter in the sixth round, 18 fantasy points. At this point, expect to see his name in this list pretty often, I think after yep. the, the Woodhead injury. Um, number six, uh, Tay Train, Latavius Murray, Ooh. taken as the running back 17 choo, in the fourth round. Um, he took him as a starter, and he has been great so far with 16 fantasy points. Um, number seven was Giovanni Bernard. Just ah, barely. Sneaky start. Yeah, he was a sneaky start for us, and here he is. Finishes the seventh running back, so I hope you listened. Um, with 15.7 fantasy points, um, just barely taken as a starter at running back 24. Right there on the Ooh, edge. Snuck in there. So I like sneaks it. Sneaks in, uh, taken in the sixth round as well. Uh, Ryan Matthews at number eight. Uh, before the Monday night game, I did this list, and Ryan Matthews obviously was an onyx. He hadn't played. Zeke Elliott was sitting at number 12, um, and Ryan Matthews just bumps him right off this list. So picture Zeke sitting at number 13. Um, Ryan Matthews at number eight. 15.5 fantasy points taken as the running back 21, just barely a starter as well, end of the fifth round. Yep. Um, C.J. Anderson. Oh, Manderson. Manderson is looking like he's going to be an RB1 all year probably. Um, yeah. Running back 13, third round, you, you were starting him. Yep. DeMarco DeMurray as the running back 10. Uh, this is second week in a row on this list. There's a few guys this is their second week in a row on this list. Uh, so here's Murray again at the running back 10. But he's taking a running back 19 in the fifth round. Um, as long as Murray can stay healthy, he's probably hanging around a low in RB1 the rest of the yep. year. Um, I love it. Running back 11, David Johnson. Uh, another repeat. Mm. So far, the only guy that was taken as a top 12 running back, um, and taken in the first round, who's taken as RB2. Here he's at RB11. So not quite what you were hoping for when he took him. But hey, it's an RB1. Yeah. Then last... And maybe least, Tevin Coleman. <laughs> okay. Um, taken as the running back 46, then drafts, 13th round. Um, had 13 fantasy points. So you probably weren't starting Tevin Coleman after the like mess that was week one. And then, yeah, picture Zeke just hanging here off the edge. If you're, if you're like, well, look, there's only one running back that was drafted in the top 12 that made this cut. Well, Zeke was there before Ryan Matthews' fluky game. So, like, all right. Well, let's, let's keep it fair. Who's the wide receiver 13 then? 
If you're going to tell people to keep Zeke in mind, who <laughs> is right, the wide receiver on, 13? Let me, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. I, I love just blowing your segment up. Yeah, let's blow it up. Hopefully this doesn't hurt things. If it hurts, then I'm going to take back what I said about Zeke. Yeah, that's an uh, easy fix. Uh, let's see. Wide receiver. Week two. Ba-blam. Hold on, everyone. The, the, the wheels are turning. Um, oh, no. <laughs> this still helps. <laughs> it was Jerron Brown was the wide receiver oh, 13. The other J. Brown in the Arizona. The other J. Brown, yeah, and he went undrafted. So we're not actually going to do this. This is unfair to wide receiver to be like, hey, also count Zeke. He's right on the edge. Uh, yeah. But, you know. It's top 12. It's basically. Yeah. So anyway, so that leaves... Eight running backs of the top 12 Ooh. were taken as starters, double what we saw from the wide receivers. Um, this is a victory for early running back. Um, if we're going to look at it that way, it's like a war. Um, more of the early running backs are better this week than the early well, wide receivers. Yeah. And, the, and there were plenty of, there's some nice late running backs that did well. And to bring up the wide receiver numbers again, but blam, eight late wide receivers who could have helped you win your week. So it's... This is looking like a good week for early running back. We'll see how it lasts throughout the year. The argument that I'm sure we'll get on YouTube and on Twitter is, well, yeah, but this was, you know, now there's all these injuries. Now Adrian Peterson is gone and Doug Martin is gone. Jonathan Stewart is gone. And, yes, that makes the pool of top 24 running backs smaller. But also it was already at a disadvantage because Jamal Charles hasn't played. Thomas Rawls hasn't played. hasn't played. Yeah. Lev Bell. Yeah, those are three guys that were taken – as top 24 running backs, we haven't played. So already at a disadvantage, running back is doing better than early wide receiver. Okay. Well, the question I have for you, Leo Kaliski, yes. is this segment is called Keeping Score. Yeah. This week the score was 8-4? to 8-4. to four. Last week it was 7-6 to six in favor of the, uh, the, the wide, wide receiver. receiver. Yes, after you just so what, blew up my spot. <laughs> so after two weeks, that makes the score 14. I'm going to put your, your math skills on... on 14 running backs to 11 wide receivers. Yes. There it is. So 14 to 11. 14 to 11. Obviously, robust is a better strategy. Boom. Boom. That's it. Two weeks in, we're done. Um, Yeah, you're seeing, and I've seen lots of people sort of talk to me about, like, well, what does this mean? Like, this is a small sample size. Yeah, it's a small sample size because fantasy is a weekly game. It's not a season-long game. This is not, unless you're playing in some weird roto league where it's just like you play all season and the person with the most points wins, um, unless you're doing that. Um, you are you need to win your weekly matchups, and so fantasy is a weekly game. And so the people who help you week to week, that's what matters. You know, it's it's going to be easy to look at the season long numbers and probably say, hey, look, zero RB worked out better. But it doesn't matter if week to week they lost more of the weeks. So not only is it that um, running back is doing better overall, but now it's I guess it's tied up because wide receiver just edged out running back last week, and now running back has a decisive victory against wide receiver this week. Yeah, and I mean it's it's been a pissing contest between the zero RB guys and the guys that yeah. uh, not even robust. I feel like robust is a very unpopular draft strategy, yeah. but more of just taking running backs early in the draft because even that was getting you know crapped on by the zero RB guys. Like, oh, yeah. you can't waste that first round pick on a running back. I mean, you just pointed out we haven't seen Lev Bell yet. We haven't seen Jamal Charles. Uh, there are guys that will come. And, well, you know, I never know Jamal Charles that at this point. That one's a question mark. Who knows? We know Lev Bell will come back in week four, <laughs> and he should be on that list every week, I'd imagine, with the way that uh, Pittsburgh's running game looks. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, D. Will is the number one running back in fantasy through two weeks. Mm-hmm. So you could make the argument that that spot is going to be Lev Bell. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you didn't draft D. Will to be a top 24 guy, but you kind of did for three weeks. Like you said, he's a contingency mm-hmm. plan. So you're kind of taking that Pittsburgh backfield, which should be in the top five. Oh, yeah. Um, top three, probably, realistically. Realistically, I, yeah. I could see it being that way for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, by the end of the season, it's probably going to be. You can make arguments for both sides. But this offseason, the narrative was around not drafting running backs, Running backs were basically exiled from conversations. Like, oh, you can't be taking a running back in round one unless it's Zeke Elliott. What? What is going on here? Well, it looks like the what actually looks like the only early round running back like that's really worked out is David Johnson, like a first rounder. David Johnson, like actually, what looks like the best 
strategy so far was going wide receiver in the first couple rounds and then running back for the next, like, three or four rounds. It looks like so far that's what's spanned out the most because all the running backs hitting are, like, the third, fourth, fifth rounder. But the thing was with zero RB is it wasn't go wide receiver early. It was go wide receiver for five rounds. It was ignore running back till the, the mid to late rounds, which those running backs aren't hitting consistently like the round threes through five running backs are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the extreme version of zero RB. Some people might try to argue, oh, it's, it's like three or four rounds. But even if you win wide receiver for the first four rounds, then you're still missing out on most of these guys on the list, Yeah, on the running back list. Yeah, you're still and missing the, Forte, Murray, etc. Yeah, and there have been plenty of late-round wide receivers that have you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver one potential. And I'm sure a lot of people will point out that, well— Antonio Brown's off to a slow start, so that's not very accurate. He's not on that list. Or Odell Beckham's off to a slow start. Well, we we can't really take this uh, as it really is because the big names aren't there. Well, you can't make that argument because guess who's not on the list for running back? Todd Gurley's not there. He's yeah. been off to a terrible start. You know, we like we said, we haven't even seen Left Bell yet. Yeah. Lamar Miller. Lamar has, Miller hasn't cracked this list yet. Yeah. He hasn't cracked the list. Uh, we just saw him play tonight. He. You know, put up over 100 yards again, but he just hasn't found the end zone yet. You know, he falls into the end zone one of these weeks, and he's going to end up around 16 to 20 points yeah. because he is consistently getting about 10 points a game in standard, uh, a little bit more in PPR, obviously. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, the argument goes both ways. I mean, I think we've said this from the start that kind of a mix has been the best strategy in our opinion, or taking – a stud running back like David Johnson and then mixing from there, taking a couple good wide receivers and then going running back from there on out. So yeah. the whole zero strategy thing, I don't know if it's going to be uh, very popular for very long. Boom. Shots fired. All right. <laughs> Let's wrap Shooter. this up. Um, yeah, that's it for keeping score. I think that's it for this episode. Um, yeah. Shut it you. down. Yeah. Shut it down. Thank you for listening. Uh, find us on, find us on Twitter. Down. What? Oh, I'm just doing a full house reference. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Find us on Twitter. Uh, right, right above me is the the Twitter. Oh, that's URL. right. We have that stuff now. We're yeah. like official yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, we're like a real thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like up here. Bench FF. Uh, same for Facebook. Uh, comment, mm-hmm. subscribe, like. Hit us up on Twitter. Harass us in our mentions. That's, Tell us we're yes. wrong. Um, we'll happily Please, discuss any- it with you. Any sort of conversation is welcome. Tell us that we're shit. That's fine. Yeah, please. We're desperate, man. Please. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right. Uh, Thanks, guys. We'll see you, kids. I'm the Flippy Floppy. Flippy Floppies.